Hey there, Java junkies, it's Andrea. Before we start today's show, I wanted to let you know that for the next couple of months, all of January and February, we're going to be dropping episodes with a different format from the one you've become used to until now. In fact, they're called the Time for Coffee Espresso Shots because they're actually mini episodes and they include 10 boilerplate questions or 10 espresso shots that I ask every guest in order to help Java junkies who are interested in getting jobs in those fields break into them. Now, with some of these guests, I've actually already released a longer interview with them about their career and their current job. So if you want to learn more about the guest I've featured in an Espresso Shot episode, just check out the show notes to see if there's another T4C episode that already exists with that guest. And chances are you'll find one. The second bit of news I wanted to share with you is that we have just finished our first Time for Coffee ebook, and it's called Spilling the Beans. And if you'd like to get a free copy of a preview version of the book, all you have to do is email me at Andrea at time, the number four coffee.org. And let me know that you'd like to get this free promotion that we are giving away to the first 100 Java junkies who email me. And if there are professionals or professions that you'd like me to feature that I haven't covered yet, please include that in your email. Thanks so much, everybody. And I hope you enjoy the show. Hi there. I'm Andrea Koppel and it's time for coffee the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Thanks so much for pressing play. If you're interested in politics, government, or even international development, this is definitely an episode you're going to love. And what I especially love about my next guest is that she's young, and has successfully leveraged her skills in social media and her interests in politics and international affairs to land a big job with a big title. But before I introduce you to her, if you haven't already signed up for the Java Junkies Journal, that's the weekly newsletter we send out first thing Monday morning to give Java Junkies an inside look at the episodes we're dropping that week, please head on over to Time for Coffee, that's time, the number four, coffee.org and sign up. In the meantime, grab a mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Margaret Richardson, who is chief of staff to the president and editor-in-chief at DevX. And for those of you who may not be familiar with DevX, it's the media platform for the global development community, as well as the largest provider of recruiting and business development services for companies, private foundations, and NGOs in the global development community. Margaret, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, let's get right into our 10 espresso shots, which will give Java junkies who may be interested in this field a good idea as to how they can break into it. What entry-level jobs, Margaret, are available to young people who want to break into the field of social enterprises and maybe media? Sure. Yeah. So, 
especially if you're interested in a job like mine, where you get to see a lot of different parts of the company and, and work with a lot of different teams, I would suggest any assistant level positions to an executive or an associate level position on a team that works in the administration is sort of the best route to go. And what about internships? Yeah, I recommend that people, if they're able to and they have the resources to to support themselves to do internships, whether they're paid or unpaid, I always suggest that. And I think that internships in general on any team, whether it's the mailroom or the executive team or whatever it is, I think internships are a fantastic way to to enter into an organization. Wonderful. What do you think, Margaret, is a useful skill or skills that you look for in the people that you hire at DevEx? Sure. Yeah. I think number one, especially especially recently, if you look at some of the research, but also personally at DevEx, the number one thing I'm looking for is emotional intelligence and being a team player. A lot of what you do at a social enterprise is cross-team collaboration, and it's where we still sort of operate like a startup with that energy. And so if you can be a team player, and if you, if you have the emotional intelligence to work externally and internally and to understand the different dynamics of a lot of different cultures and a lot of different teams, especially since we were in the area of global development. Those are skills and assets I think that are really important. Do you think someone's major is a deciding factor to get into your profession? Now, I know you studied government as an undergrad, but are there certain majors that would be more useful for somebody who wants to get into the field of social enterprise or media? Yeah, I think especially when you're working for a media company, any background in journalism or something like government where there's a lot of writing, there's an understanding of how the media interacts with the rest of the world is really important. You know, I think if you're an engineering major and you wanted to come work for a media company or in global development, a media company that's working in global development like ours, I would sort of be interested to hear why and and why you thought that that would be the right thing. It's not to say that it, it counts you out, but certainly we're looking for people who either have a background in media or who are interested or who understand the interaction of the media and sort of how it works within the rest of the ecosystem of, of the world. And I should say that's just with me and, and my team. I think there are a lot of other teams in a media company, like a product team or a data science team where a product and engineer or a data scientist might fit in perfectly. They're still working for a media company, but of course they have a specialization. But generally for my role, I think a major that highlights critical thinking about a lot of different social science aspects is is really important. Wonderful. And what about a graduate degree? And less so for somebody, obviously, in an entry-level position, but maybe longer term to succeed in the field. And I know that your CEO, Raj Kumar, has a very interesting story in that he actually conceived of DevEx while he was in graduate school and dropped out. Yeah, I don't have a graduate degree. I think what's interesting about DevEx is we are the media platform for the global development community. So if you're looking to work for us specifically, a graduate degree is not it's not a precursor into getting into our organization. You don't need to have one. I think what's important to remember about graduate degrees is they only really there are some organizations that will only look at you if you have one, and that's fine. But I personally believe that a graduate degree is only the right thing to do if you really know what you want to study. I did consider a graduate degree, but I realized I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. And the best way to figure out what I wanted to do was to start doing a bunch of different things. And and that's what's led me here. So I think 
of course, we hire people with graduate degrees, but that's not a barrier to entry if you don't have one. And and certainly, I think if any of the listeners are thinking about a graduate degree, if you have a real reason for going, that's great and you should go. But if you don't, just dig in and it'll come to you. There are a lot of people who are getting graduate degrees now in, in their 30s. And I think that that's great. You know, a couple years working experience is, is a good indicator to try to show you what you're really interested in. Margaret, I have a very similar story in that I didn't go to graduate school in my 20s because I didn't know what I wanted to get my graduate degree in. And Mm -hmm. I'm 54 now and I never went back and got one. And honestly, I don't, I still don't know what it would be that I would study. So, you know, I think you're right. I think you just have to follow your passion if you know what that is. But if you don't, it's all good. That's exactly right. And I think if you look at the field of global development, there are some organizations, especially some of the major multilaterals that do require a graduate degree. So if your goal is to enter into one one of those, absolutely go and get a graduate degree. But I think there's a lot of pressure to get it right outside of school. And I don't think that pressure is right. I think the pressure should be finding what you love and figuring out what you're interested in. And then if you want to work for one of those organizations, go and get your graduate degree in something that matters to you, because ultimately that's what's going to make you successful. Absolutely. Margaret, what do you think are the life experiences that are most useful for somebody starting out in this field? It's a great question. I think for someone who's working in a social enterprise and for someone who's working in the media, one of the life experiences, and I can only speak to my own, that has been truly important to me is when I was a kid, I played on a sports team. I think that's been an enormous source of wisdom and strength for me throughout my entire career. And I don't think it has to be a sports team. I think it could be a debate team or some kind of competitive team that results in a win or a loss. And then everybody kind of has to move on with the rest of their lives. I think that the opportunity to be a part of something that is larger than oneself and also requires vulnerability and strength and making mistakes constantly and iterating and thinking on your feet is really important. And so anytime when you're a kid to a young adult, and and frankly, I think it probably serves you up until the end of your life. Anytime you can put yourself in situations where you are working in a team, a very high performance team, I think you the experiences that you get really serve you. And I'm not sure that everybody who plays sports or um, is on a competitive team in school understands the power that and the growth that you really do have when you're doing those activities. I think I think that it feels like part of school and part of what you're doing. But really what you're learning is how to work with many different types of people to move towards one goal. And you have to be really physically vulnerable and emotionally vulnerable with how hard and how long and how tough you're willing to be and how how much you're willing to push yourself. And so more than anything, I think playing on a team has been one of the most useful things I've ever done. I love so much about that last answer. But in particular, what I love, Margaret, is you talking about making mistakes and learning from them and moving on, because I think that is one of the most important skills. I don't even, skill is the wrong word. I think that's one of the most important life lessons that any Java junkie can take with them through the course of their professional and personal life. Next question. What is the best part for you of being in this kind of mixed profession, social enterprise, media company, administrative role that you're in? The best part of being a chief of staff and the best part of working in a social enterprise and media company 
is that when you work for a social enterprise, you're working for a mission. You're working to towards something that has a social cause. And so, you know, we are the media platform for the global development community. We work to give global development professionals, people on the ground working in some of the most important areas of the world on some of the most important issues in the world. We give them the information they need to do their job every day. And being able to do that, knowing that I'm working towards a goal and towards a greater good, cliche as that sounds, I think is pretty incredible. And it, it is an, beyond making it incredibly easy to get up in the morning. I think it really does give a good sense of purpose. And a lot of more and more we're seeing social enterprises pop up all over the place. And I think when you work on something with a social mission, it really does give you a greater sense of purpose. I say that only having really worked for organizations that, that have a mission. So I, that's, that's my experience, but I, I, it's part of what's important to me. And the other thing that's great about being a chief of staff in a social enterprise is that when you're a chief of staff, your job is to sit at the 30,000 foot view to kind of see all the different parts of the company. And I get to work with a lot of different people And that is more than anything, I think that provides a real richness to this role. Absolutely. So the flip side for you, Margaret, what is the part of your current job as chief of staff that sucks the most? (laughs) Oh, man, I've thought about this before. And I've certainly been asked this before. It's truly difficult to come up with something that just plain sucks. I think what is hard is when I don't feel as if I have enough time to do a good job on every single thing I'm doing. And when you're a chief of staff and you're working on many different parts of an organization and many different projects, it can become very easy to lose track of time or to not to not be a great time manager. And what sucks is when I feel as if I'm not giving my 100% full-on effort into the project because I never want to you know, give half of myself to anything. If I'm working on something, I want to be able to give you my full self. So there isn't like an area I can point to that I would totally rail against. But I do I do think that when I maybe there's a day that I haven't been able to manage my time well enough, and I haven't been able to give it my all into one piece of it, that doesn't feel good. Yeah. And I try to work on that. Okay. Well, I think that's pretty darn good if you can't think Mm -hmm. of something outright. So you're definitely in the right job, young lady. What is the best career advice you've ever gotten, Margaret? Oh, gosh. I'm the kind of person that reads a lot of advice from people. And, and you know, I kind of I love the top 10 pieces of advice that you can get in your 20 lists. But I'll give you two. So one is really cliche, which is do what you love and don't stop until you found a job that's doing what you love. And I think that has always served me. It's something my parents told me and find what you love and all of the other things, money, family relationships, all the other things that make life that will all fall into place. But if you're doing what you love, that's a really important piece. The other thing I got is a really practical piece of advice, but I think it's brilliant. A mentor of mine, when I first started the job, when I when I first left college and was starting a new job, she said, your first couple of weeks, take notes on people. Sounds creepy, but just make note of, you know, the names of people's partners or their kids or what they like or what they've said to you about their personal life because you're not going to be able to remember it all. And if you take notes and you can review it once in a while, that will help you to create those relationships and connections that will will help to make the workplace, you know, a good like a fun and good place for you to go later on. And I think that's really good practical advice. When you know your colleagues beyond what they do at work, it provides a basis 
and a richness in relationship that you can then use later on when maybe you did make a mistake or there is something like tough that you have to work with because you have that baseline of understanding, you know, you know, the names of their kids, you know what they like and they don't like, and it'll help you to, to work through any kind of issue with them. Absolutely. And I think it also just humanizes your colleagues and helps you to appreciate maybe some of the challenges oh, and, and the the things that they're struggling with outside of work. So that's exactly. wonderful advice, Margaret. What movies or Netflix, Hulu, <laughs> Amazon shows or even fiction books do you think accurately depict your profession? And I recognize there are There are a lot of choices out there, but, and that your profession is one that is pretty unique. Yeah. This is a really funny question because I think when people think of assistants or when they think of chiefs of staff, they think of like House of Cards or The West Wing and Leo McGarry or even Devil Wears Prada with, you know, Anne Hathaway. I don't think there's one movie or fiction book that would accurately depict my profession. Certainly not Devil Wears Prada. But I do think. I grew up watching The West Wing. And for any of your your listeners who are familiar with the show, they're a core group of characters and they each have incredible intellect and talent and they each play a part a really specific part in the overall storyline, but they're all, they all make mistakes and they all make really significant mistakes. And I think Leo McGarry, the chief of staff in the West Wing to the president, he's the president's best friend. They sort of went through a lot together. I don't think that's necessarily accurate, but I do think that there are parts of each person that if you put them all together would be pretty accurate in the job description, whether it's CJ Craig needing to make the right communication to the right people at the right time, or Toby Ziegler, who really, he he sort of, he's very black and white. He believes in doing good and he believes in doing the right thing. Or Leo McGarry, where his role is to sort of listen to everybody and take in all the information and then and then bring it to the president. I think little pieces of all of them would maybe accurately depict. Great. Well, thanks for all that detail. Sure. Margaret, <laughs> final time for coffee question. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your role as chief of staff? It's a good question. I think the chief of staff role is somewhat, especially the private sector chief of staff role, which is significantly different from the public sector chief of staff role, is not fully understood. So they might be surprised. There might be people out there surprised to learn that there are chiefs of staff in the private sector. But I think one thing I was surprised to learn or to realize is that so much of the job is listening more so than you could ever predict or or even really understand fully at the time that you take the role. I don't think there's any way to explain how important listening is until you're doing it and you see it happening in front of you for you to sort of sit back and listen and take in everybody's perspective and then synthesize it into an understanding for yourself or the person that you are are responsible for reporting to or give your own opinion. And I think when you're young, there's a pressure to prove yourself and to be the one in the room who's super smart and really hardworking and really, you know, like that young person who can do anything and everything. And that's great. It's that's a really important part of your 20s and profession being a professional when you're 20. But when you're in a role that requires working across so many teams and really understanding the pressures and the successes of each team, I am constantly pushing myself to listen more every single day. 
In fact, doing this interview is more talking than, than I've done all morning. But I, I think that that I think that might be surprising to people because I do think there's this idea that a chief of staff should have all the answers or a young person who's a chief of staff might have all the answers. And I am expected to have a lot of answers, but a lot of the way you get answers is by listening. I think that's also just great advice. (laughs) Yes, yes. Margaret, thank you so much for making time for coffee with me today with the Java Junkie community. I really enjoyed learning more about your profession. No, thank you. This This was truly a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee. 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.